Are you ready for some scalding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Mizutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Hey, welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. Chase Frederick back with Dane Mizutani. Dane, how was the woods? Chase, I made it out alive. That, that's the main thing. Um, I listened to the podcast the other day. I really appreciated your genuine concern for me. Um, and in in the deep in the sticks, um, I will say I had service. I texted you a couple of times to let know, you know I was surprise. I was alive. But it was <laughs> there. It was no joke. I mean, we needed to take a boat to get to the cabin. And a quick side story before we get into the Vikings: we didn't have a boat the first night when we got there, so we didn't have a boat to the next morning. So we were driving around this town, like, how the heck do we get to the front door of this this cabin? And uh, well, we needed a boat. So uh, a, a kind local man shuttled us by night to the to the cabin across the across the lake. And uh, other than that, that was the only hiccup. It was a great trip. Did you consider swimming at any point? Uh, no, I was ready to drive home before we swam <laughs> across the lake. I, that was my solution. I was like, oh, we just go home. So no, but it was it was it was awesome. It was nice to get away. And uh, shout out to Chad Graff for for filling in with us. Really appreciated that. Loved your little reenactment of of you being Matt Patricia. Thought thought that was that was hilarious. So it's all good. We're back, ready to go though. I thought I was a better Matt Patricia than Chad was a Chad Graff. Um, but yeah, we appreciate Chad coming on. If you missed that episode, it aired over the weekend. Um, if you missed that in your Labor Day celebrations, go ahead and check that out. Uh, Chad brought a lot of insight from what from his last four years covering this team before heading out to New England and what he thinks of this upcoming Viking season. He's actually pretty positive on this team. Uh, has I think set a 10 win expectation for them thinks the offense can be really, really good. Um, and I think his perspective was good in just getting the, the somebody coming in from the 30,000 feet, kind of a global mm-hmm. view. Um, and, and, you know, maybe not getting so caught up in like the day to day and Oh, this happened to practice today. Let's overreact to it. Uh, you know, having people like Chad come in and say, well, I just think I look at the roster and I think this and this, um, and I think we're going to go over some of that today. We're going to get into, predictions uh we'll get to that at the end of the show our predictions for this season uh, and then a lot of this time is going to be spent with what should qualify as a good season for the vikings what should be viewed as success what would be a good season for kevin o'connell for kirk cousins maybe for the defense um get into all these different things of what should equal success and then we will wrap it up with what we think is actually going to play out uh thursday is going to be more green bay centric as we look ahead to the actual week one matchup but dane before i think i thought before we got into like what is success? Let's look at, and I wrote a bunch of these down, national folks, um, people at other outlets, you know, where they make all of their NFL season predictions. Mm-hmm. A lot of those are out um, and maybe where they stand with the Vikings. I'll read through some of them um, and you can provide thoughts at the end of it. Um, let's start out with Peter King. Um, maybe like maybe one of the most notable NFL writers there is. He picked the Vikings to go 11 and six, not when the division finished one game back of Green Bay, and then suffer a first-round loss to the Vikings. Uh, Sporting News, 10-7, and seven, a seven seed and a first-round loss. Four games got back of Green Bay, so not in divisional contention, but a playoff berth. ESPN, um, there was no specific record thing, but they did take the over on nine wins, which puts you again probably as a playoff team. And the bold prediction was that the Vikings would lead the NFL in scoring, something we've talked about them maybe being in contention to do. Uh, the Athletic, 100% of their expert panel picked Green Bay to win the division, but 54% did pick Minnesota to make the playoffs. Uh, CBS's John Breach, 
put the Vikings at 10 and 7. It's a playoff team, but two big games back of Green Bay. Not everybody was super positive. Sports Illustrated 8 and 9 has the Vikings missing the playoffs by tiebreaker. And then uh, the ringer, I've never known how to say this guy's name. Shale, do you know how to say the last name? Nope. Shale Kapadia. Uh, his bold prediction was that the Vikings go 11 and 6 and win the division. And at the end of his blurb about this, he said, I already hate myself for this. <laughs> so, <laughs> I I think that's kind of what I've seen. Like, yes, there were not everybody was all in on the Vikings, but I think it's a team where people look at Kevin O'Connell. They think, okay, offensive minded head coach. There's a lot of weapons there. Like it is that 30,000 foot view and saying there should be something here. Um, and it's, it's like a fun, like sexy pick to make the playoffs and at least push green Bay. And I think it's fun to say like green Bay, you know, is in trouble with Minnesota potentially behind them. Uh, there are other pe- things people like. Like I was watching uh, Good Morning Football on NFL Network last week, and they were doing some kind of you know bolder predictions and whatnot. And Pete Schrager does his top ten breakout players in the NFL every year, and Christian Darrisaw, offensive tackle, was number three, number three in the top like lineman out of his breakout players. Kyle Brandt did a bold fantasy football prediction, and Kirk Cousins was leading all quarterbacks in fantasy scoring this year. I don't know if that's likely. He doesn't run the ball, but. Like people, it's exciting. It's sexy to pick Viking things. Um, so I think that's kind of the outside scope here is optimism. Uh, people look at this team and think like there could be better days ahead. Um, and and I know that's maybe not always a tone that we've carried on this show. So it's important to put out there uh, that that things could take a turn for the better. What do you think of all of this and kind of the national view of this team heading into the season? I think the fact that nationally the Vikings are seen as a team that could take a jump. It, it really makes sense with how everything is kind of laid out this offseason, right? Like I think from the time that the Rams won the Super Bowl to the time that Kevin O'Connell accepted the job, it was seen as like a perfect match with all the people that all, for all the different coaches that they interviewed. Obviously the Jim Harbaugh was, was the other option. It seemed like Kevin O'Connell was the best match and the person who wanted to make Kirk Cousins succeed the most. So I think now that we're six months into this thing later, it makes sense that people have been able to kind of download that information, see it, uh, kind of take in OTAs, take in minicamp, which Kirk Cousins was very present at, um, very vocal at, and, and kind of take it to tra- training camp in, in the preseason. And I think it all makes sense that now when we get to the regular season, people are thinking, okay, this could be a perfect match. Because six months ago, it felt like that. I think six months later it still feels like that there's no reason not to i think we talked a lot about the training camp and how there was no drama how they got through it kind of perfectly unscathed minus an earth smith injury which he will be ready for week one so i think everything we thought back in you know january february we're still thinking now and i think that's why everyone kind of sees them as, as a pick to you know a sexy trendy pick to to kind of take a jump because the team was joyless under Mike Zimmer. The team has joy again. I don't want to, you know, be too Hallmark movie channel about this and be like, oh, well, if you enjoy coming to work, you're going to be really good at football. But I do think there is something to that. And I think all of that has kind of been a perfect culmination heading into week one here against Green Bay. There have been a number of pieces that came out. And there's another one this week, this last week here about the joylessness of last year and Mike Zimmer and being too hard on guys and whatnot. And and the turnaround now with Kevin O'Connell, I will say with that, my one warning, and I, I, I a hundred percent think it can be true. And that might hold up all year is that it's really easy to have joy 
at the beginning of the year when nothing's happened, when you face no adversity, when you've lost no games, when it's all just feels fresh and new. Um, And we'll see what happens when this team loses games, when they blow a lead, uh, when, when things get into a rough patch, does that carry over? Because for the good teams, not necessarily do you have to be happy when you're losing, but you have to remain confident um, and you have to stay true to who you are. And I think that's what the best teams do. And we'll see if this team can do it. But we talk about making a leap, Dane. And I guess for me, I was wondering, what do you consider, like, what would you say is a successful season for Minnesota? Um, Is it simply making the playoffs? Is that type of benchmark for you? Is it like, oh, you've got to reach the NFC Conference title game? Like, or is it maybe something even less results-based? Like, how do you view what is going to be a successful season in your mind for the 2022 Minnesota Vikings? As much as I want to get into the abstract and be like, well, as long as everyone feels like they're meshing and, you know, you can see real growth, like smiles. Per no, game. I can't. Yeah, I can't do that. Like uh, success for this team is absolutely making the playoffs. And I think 10 wins, like the fact that the Vegas over under is nine and a half seems fair. I think if they hit the over, they make the playoffs. If they're, if they're under that, they probably don't. If they, you know, I think 10 wins probably gets you into the playoffs. Nine wins. I think you're really you're probably fighting. you're in a tiebreaker. I'd probably with yeah. nine wins. Yeah. So I, I think your the expectation or like the benchmark baseline is like, OK, will this win? Will this team win nine games or will it win 10 games? I think they they are fully capable of winning 10 games. I think that should be their expectation. I think if they do not, I think you can look at the, the season as a failure. Like I think Kevin O'Connell has been brought in obviously as this quarterback's whisperer that's going to get the most out of Kirk Cousins, blah, blah, blah. I think that's possible. Moreover, though, this was a team that could have gone the route of the Chicago Bears this offseason and, like, torn it down, could have have rebuilt, could have taken said, we're going to take a step back for the next year, year and a half, two years, with hopes of being better in the future. They didn't do that. The Wilfs said, we want to be very competitive. We think this roster is great. Blah, blah, blah. Quasey came in, said the same thing. Kevin O'Connell came in, said the same thing. So I think you got to make the playoffs like, or you're going to have egg on your face at the end of the year. Kind of what people saying, well, like, were you a little overconfident? Was there too much hubris internally with this, this team and this roster? I think if you don't make the playoffs, you leave yourself susceptible for a lot of criticism at the end of the year. That being said, I think this team is capable and, and, and talented enough to do that. But I think as long as you're making the playoffs and then kind of seeing what happens from there, I think making the playoffs in the first year under Kevin O'Connell signifies growth, even if you were to get bounced in the first round. I think you can at least say, all right, we we are building something here. There is something, you know, a positive direction or a positive momentum, you know, with this new regime. If you get bounced in the first round, I'm just going down a rabbit hole. Obviously, that that leaves room for what do we do with Kirk Cousins, blah, blah, blah. But I think you need to make the playoffs. I think that's that's success and anything else is failure. Yeah, I'll I think it definitely has to include the playoffs. Um, my formula for success this year, uh, you have to make the postseason. It's not that hard. There are seven teams that make it per conference. Um, this is the true in just about every pro sport. But you just have to be adequate. You don't have to be great. And this roster should be adequate. Um, and if they don't, then something probably went really wrong, just like it did last year and, and the year before that. So, like, make the playoffs for sure. But I think for me, it really has to be how you get there as well, um, how we're feeling about the team as it gets to the tail end of the season. Even if it's like a first round loss, that's fine. As long as you see room for growth, as long as it doesn't feel like the team is maxed out, 
as long as uh, fans literally like the day after the season ends, they start thinking about the possibilities for 2023. I don't think anybody when 2021 ended was like, yeah, here we go. 2022 is right around the corner. Can't wait. Um, it was more like, oh, almost kind of relieved to be done watching that team play. Uh, like, so I think for Minnesota, it's okay. Does Kevin O'Connell show growth um, as a, as a head coach? Do you see like a direction he's going in? How do like how does like Andrew Booth Jr. and Lewis Seen do, do they look like impact players on the defensive side of the ball? Um, Christian Darisaw, Ed Ingram, do they look like legit pillars of an offensive line that's going to be good for the next five six years? It can't be like well, Kirk had a pretty good year. Um, Adam Thielen had you know at thirty two put together a really nice season. Harrison Smith had a really nice year. Um, Eric Kendricks played well. I don't know how much more football they have left in them, but but they the veterans really stepped up and carried the team too. 10 wins in a first round bounce. And I really feel like they maximize what they could do at this point in their careers, because that frankly is like what it's felt like too much in the past. Um, I, I know when they, when they beat the saints and they lost to the 49ers, I was like, I don't know how much farther this team can go. Um, and, and it kind of showed out, um, frankly, the next year they were worse. Um, you've seen this, you've covered the Minnesota wild enough to know like that when an aging veteran team gets to the playoffs and gets dumped, um, there's just not that much joy in it. Um, where when a youthful team rises up, maybe surprises or like you see young guys emerge as leaders of a team and they get bounced like the wild did um, like the Timberwolves did this last year. That's what gets people excited. That's what gets people thinking about, okay, what's next? Where are we going from here? It feels like ascension. It doesn't feel like peaking. Um, so that's what I think. I think not only do they need to make the playoffs and even if they lose right away, that's fine. It has to feel like they're ascending though. Um, and a lot of that is young players stepping up. A lot of that is guys finding like, their way in the NFL in Kevin O'Connell's new system, you know? So I think that's what I need to see. Not, it has to be certain guys. It has to be a certain way that they do it. Yeah. I think that's a really good point because we've seen a lot of teams get carried by veterans. Um, it, it's okay for your young guys to step up. You saw Justin Jefferson do that his rookie year. Um, you saw glimpses of it with Christian Darisaw, but it, you're right. It would be nice if you could see Christian Darisaw take a leap and be like, okay, the Vikings have, a legitimate left tackle for the next decade. Okay, Lewis Seen. He, he looks like a legitimate playmaker. You know, I, I think you're right when you say like a lot of the teams of past have been, oh, well, the guys who have always done it continue to be good, and that's why the Vikings were good. Yes, you, you do need to see those young guys step up. And I, I, I think playoffs is a benchmark of, of showing that ascension that you're talking about. I think if you show the ascension and the young guys step up, but you miss the playoffs, I think like, at the end of the day, you still kind of look at it like, okay, that wasn't that good of a year. Because to your other point, it's not that hard to make the playoffs. You can make it at nine and eight, especially with the extra team added. With seven especially teams in the NFC. Exactly. So while you probably don't want to get into the nine and eight tiebreaker, will we get in? Won't we get in? You can. So even if the Vikings go below their under in Vegas, they, they could theoretically make the playoffs even more reason that you have to make the playoffs for this to be a successful season. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk more specific individuals, Kevin O'Connell. What's a good season look like for him? What's a good season look like for Kirk cousins? Uh, a little bit on what a good season looks like for the defensive group. Uh, right back after this. Back with inside purple and gold, Jace Frederick, Dane Mizutani here as we are on Tuesday, September 6th, just five days away from the season opener against green Bay. 
like, follow, subscribe, whatever you can do on your favorite platform to make sure that these episodes are coming right to your phone, right? As they come out, we're gonna have a lot of content. Obviously today we're going Thursday. We're going to preview green Bay um, in a couple different ways. And then on Sunday, like hours after the game is done, you will have the recap in your phone, ready to listen to almost com either commiserate, celebrate, whatever the case may be with inside purple and gold um, after the Viking season opener against green Bay, Dane, we just touched on what would be a good season for this team. Now let's get into some individual stuff. Let's get into, I guess, first the head coach, Kevin O'Connell, mm -hmm. year one. This is a guy that we talk about like in segment one about the optimism surrounding this team from a national perspective. It sure seems like it's very tightly tied to Kevin O'Connell. Certainly, I think Justin Jefferson as well, but like Kevin O'Connell is the new fixture um, in all of this. And I think it's gone from like apathy to optimism and I understand why, like Kevin O'Connell, certainly the offensive coordinator for a team that just won the Super Bowl, did it largely on with a great offense. And like had Sean McVay retired, there's a good chance Kevin O'Connell would have been the head coach with the Rams. So like that shows what they thought about him. So people are very high on him. Uh, but this is obviously year one. What do you think looks like success for Kevin O'Connell in terms of what he is able to bring to this team? Sure. Okay, this is where I can start to get, I think, into the abstract a little more. I said in segment one, like, if we're talking team-wide, you can't just be like, oh, the vibes are good. It was a good year. I want to get smiles I, per game as a real stat. <laughs> smiles per game. I, I'll tell you what. I think there will be more smiles per game this year under O'Connell than there were under Zimmer last year. So if, if that's a real stat that we're going to start to track, Vikings are going to hit that over easy. They're going to have the most but, exponential growth of anyone in the league. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you look at O'Connell, I, I think uh, obviously like – if they don't make the playoffs, I think you can say the first year under O'Connell was not a success. And I guess by definition was a failure. Failure is a hard word to use at, at times with, with, with individuals in their first year. But I think that's like, if you don't make the playoffs in your first year with this loaded offensive roster as the offensive guru that you are praised to be, then it was a failure. So I think that is, it starts and stops there. If Kevin O'Connell does not make the play, if the Vikings do not make the playoffs, this was not a successful year for him. If they do, I, I think to your point last segment, and it feels like ascension, it feels like growth. It feels like the Vikings are building something. I think a lot of that comes down to the culture cultivated by the head coach. I think the joy in the building, like if you're getting guys that need the ball, the ball, like I think there is a joylessness that comes with a guy like Justin Jefferson knowing he's so talented, but the coach refusing to, to get him the ball at, at, at the right rate that, that he feels. That's on Kevin O'Connell now. I think it's on Kevin O'Connell to kind of take Kirk Cousins from this above-average quarterback and maybe make him a good one. You know, I, I think all of these things on the offensive side of the ball are going to dictate what success looks like to him. So I think if you make the playoffs, that's a great start. But I think as the head coach, as the new offensive genius in town, you need to get the most. You need to squeeze all of the juice out of that orange that is this offense. If we start to see games where you remember the, the offense from last year where it was all too well starting to get super predictable, it was boring, it was second and long runs, it was third and long, you know, check downs, it was all of these things. Then I think you could start to question Kevin O'Connell. I think. It ha you have to show growth, ascension, and just kind of an idea of who you are as a head coach. And I think all of those things can kind of 
we'll be able to tell by the end of the year. It takes one year. I think we can pretty much tell, is this guy going to be a good coach? Is he not going to be a good coach? I, I think we'll know by December, January here. Yeah, for me, I think sustainability is a big thing. Um, like, is there consistency with this group? Is it like, do we see growth week to week? Uh, because like of years past the last couple of years, like the Vikings were such a week in week out different team. Uh, you would think they would win a big game and it'd be like, oh, okay, maybe they found something. Maybe like it could be like that Chargers game where it was like, oh, okay, they were more aggressive offensively here. I think maybe they figured it out. And then two weeks later, they look like the same old team again. Uh, there was, there were steps forward and back all the time. Can it just feel like, okay, they're a little bit better at this. Okay, now they corrected this. Like, can it just be an actual growth process throughout a season that you're supposed to see um, in the NFL over the course of 17 games? Um, because that would be something I think that would say, okay, now, as you mentioned, like the culture and just generally an improvement process, like a day-to-day -day improvement that everybody's searching for. Maybe Kevin O'Connell has set a standard where that can take place. Um, offensively, like, Look, they were like middle of the pack, but it felt like it was better than that. But it was like 14th in scoring last year. But that was with Clint Kubiak. Like if Kevin O'Connell with his resume can't come in and at least get this offense to like top eight, then I would say that's a failure um, because there's no reason why it shouldn't take like an astronomical leap if Kevin O'Connell indeed is like one of the better offensive coaches in the NFL. Uh, th th this should be like a, it should be like Grand Canyon between what the Vikings had and what they should have here moving forward. I'm not necessarily willing to say like, Kevin O'Connell is tied to Kirk Cousins because we've seen enough guys with Kirk Cousins, like, and the result looks the same um, as far as what Kirk does specifically. But I just want to see creativity. I just want to see, hey, does Kirk not have it today? Is he really struggling because there's pressure coming? Um, okay, what what was the adjustment made? Um, and this is this is almost interesting. Like, I want to see the Vikings win a couple games, and this is going to sound very familiar to what I'm going to say when we talk about Kirk Cousins. But I want to see the Vikings win a couple games and score 28 points when Kirk Cousins doesn't play well. Um, you know, and just find other ways to get guys the ball. Maybe it's short passing plays. Maybe it's the screen game. Just like creativity um, from, from an offensive mind to say like, okay, how am I going to compensate because my QB maybe doesn't have it today or isn't giving us what we need today? And and I want to add, and this might kind of tease to our next person that we're going to talk about what does success look like, which is Kirk Cousins. Yep. That's our next guy. But I think part of Kevin O'Connell's success this year is going to be hinged on how he can get through to Kirk Cousins. Maybe he doesn't fix him. Maybe he doesn't change him. And I agree. Like if Kirk is the same old quarterback he was, I don't necessarily think that means O'Connell failed this year, but I, I think part of why he was brought in is to be this guy who can get through to him. And there is, there was a quote in training camp that keeps kind of jumping out to me when I think about this team. And it was Kirk Cousins early in training camp talking about how, well, I was going through progression during practice earlier today. And I said, no to this route, no to this route, no to this route. And I finally said yes to this route. And obviously the yes route was a check down. It always is a check down for Kirk, right? He, Kirk Cousins came out and said, Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips offensive care coordinator pulled him aside and said, do not say no to that route. That's a yes route. We're throwing that every single time. And I love that. And I, and I hope we can see that kind of shine through during games because one of the biggest issues with Kirk Cousins throughout his career has been just, he's too safe. He's too conservative. He's unwilling to take the big shot because he's afraid to make a mistake. He's afraid to throw an interception because of the criticism that usually follows when he does so. Uh, this is kind of turning into a Kirk Cousins tangent. It always does. But I, 
but I think Kevin O'Connell has a big role in like changing that mentality. Like, yo, let it rip. We got Justin Jefferson. If it's an interception, that's fine. We'll take an arm punt if, if we're giving our future Hall of Fame receiver a chance to make a play and go get a touchdown. Like, I think that a lot of that is going to be, you know, kind of hinged on on can O'Connell get through to Kirk Cousins? And if he does, I think like kind of the sky's the limit. I you know, I don't want to get too optimistic here, but I think if O'Connell can switch a little thing in Cousins' brain, because we've talked about he has the talent. If he can switch the mentality of like just letting it rip sometimes and i think giving him kind of the the license to do so and the the comfort to do so like hey you're i'm fine if you make a, a mistake here i think that that falls on the head coach as well if he can do all of those things this could be really really something special i'm gonna pitch for a rebrand we just we change it to inside kirk and cousins <laughs> but I'm, and all, all roads lead back to cousins don't they <laughs> i mean and frankly like i'm gonna make an addendum off what i said this will be a failure for this year for kevin o'connell if he doesn't get through to kirk cousins and what i meant to say earlier was like i'm not tying him to kirk in that i'm not saying that if kirk doesn't change this year that kevin o'connell is like a bad coach i'm going to say sure. though that that is his primary objective for this season for sure is to do that and he will have failed and kirk will have failed both frankly if that doesn't happen but you're right. It does come down to can you kind of rewire Kirk? Um, and Chad talked about this. So many different guys have come in and failed. Uh, but maybe Kevin O'Connell can be the one who figures it out. I love that training camp anecdote. Um, I love pounding the message in in as many different ways as possible. Like take that shot, take that shot. It's all about when the lights are on and it's third and seven and the crowd's loud. Like can Kirk get himself to do that? Um, that takes a lot of work. Um, and we'll see if they have gotten to that point. But yeah, I mean, like there, there's the Kirk angle, there's the general offensive angle. And then there's just, I think like the team culture and progression angle that we've talked about with Kevin O'Connell. And then I just also want to see like, Hey, and this might be rough early on, but by the end of the year, is he doing a nice job in our minds um, with maybe it's aggression on play calling? Is he doing a nice job with timeout usage challenges? Like when, when you go for it on fourth down, like these are things that can win and lose teams games. Like how is he adjusting to that? Does he have maybe an aggressive mindset with a good offense um, that makes sense that's maximizing the Vikings' win probabilities? Uh, I want to see all those things as well. And like I said, like week one, week two, that might be tough because his head might be spinning. But by the end of the year, we'll probably know who he is um, and what do we see out of that as well. All right, let's jump into Kirk. And we just talked a lot about Kirk. I know that. Uh, my biggest thing for Kirk, and this sounds a lot like what I said for Kevin O'Connell, but what I want from Kirk is at least one, but ideally two games this year where you can say at the end of the game, the Vikings won that game because of Kirk Cousins. Um, the offensive line maybe was struggling. The defense was horrible, gave up 34 points, whatever the case may be. And the Vikings still pulled it out because Kirk Cousins not only played well, but maybe made one or two plays where you go, wow. And it doesn't have to be like you scrambled around, you know, and made four guys miss and Kyler Murray didn't and threw like a jump ball. Um, it can be like you threw it into a tight window on third and 12 um, and you hit Justin Jefferson between two different guys for a big completion that kept the game winning drive going. And you're like, wow, what a play by Kirk cousins. What a window. Uh, that was the key to winning the game. I think it has to be that um, Kirk cousins, as we've seen, we've talked about the salary, all that stuff before. If he wants to be considered like a great quarterback, you have to do that at least twice a year. And that is how the team goes from like good to great is because you steal them a game or two. And frankly, like if you're a top tier quarterback, that shouldn't be too much to ask. That's where he has to grow. Are you capable of stealing something for your team? I'll continue my my trend of just talking in the abstract because it's what I like to do. Sure. 
success for Kirk Cousins this year looks like bringing a sense of I keep using the word joy, but like joy back to the offense, right? Because yep. Mike, yeah, smiles. I want Kirk Cousins to bring the most smiles per game that he has at any point in his career. That's success. But no, I'm serious. Like the team joyless under Zimmer, but the offense joyless under Cousins yeah, like, throughout sure. his tenure sure. here, right? That's part so, of the problem. It's been I, part of the problem for sure. And and I you know I think back to the well documented moment on the sideline between Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins, where Kirk is teaching Thielen how to run routes, even though Thielen at that point in time was, you know, the, this Pro Bowl receiver that's been there, done that. I think those things get under guys' skins. I think you know when your franchise quarterback, who's taken up a significant chunk of your salary cap, is trying to teach this Pro Bowl you know, probably future ring of honor receiver with, with Adam Thielen, how to run routes like that can rub everyone on the offense the wrong way. So I think for cousins. Yeah. Do I want to see him have these hallmark signature moments this year, two or three of them? Yeah. I think we, you need to see that because I think to your point, like the Vikings can be a good team. They can be a great one if, if we see those moments, but I think moreover for cousins, like just keep everyone happy. Just make people want to play for you as your as their quarterback on offense give justin jefferson those chances downfield do not like sour like this has the chance this opportunity to be like kind of combustible year because justin jefferson is ready to break out and if kirk cousins isn't giving him the opportunity to do so like you know he's in a contract year he's about to make his money he's about to get like the bag all of it historic yeah right and if kirk cousins is unwilling to throw those routes like if Kirk Cousins is missing him downfield, like this thing could go sideways quickly. So I think it's it's incumbent on Kirk Cousins to keep everyone happy. Um, it's always the, the the job of the quarterback to kind of steady the ship. Um, you know, we, we we talked about how that's Kevin O'Connell's job. It's it's Kirk Cousins' job as well. So if this thing sails smoothly, no bumps, um, and and we get a couple of those signature moments. I think that would be seen as growth for cousins. That would be seen as success because we haven't had that yet. It's always been a couple Rocky roads here and there. Like, okay, well, is this guy happy? Is this guy happy? Like, okay, well, you know, are, are, is there drama brewing here? I, I think Kirk cousins is so polarizing within the media, but also within a team. Um, I would like to see that kind of go away this year. I would like to see everyone kind of just operate status quo um, and just realize there's a lot of talented guys on this offense if if one guy can get him going, it, it has to be Kirk Cousins. You know, we talk about like a leader and maybe guys rallying around you, but the number one way to get people to believe in you is by you first believing in them. I'm um, like, it kind of does go both ways. Like if a guy shows trust in you, then you automatically are more likely to trust him. So trust your receivers, trust your offensive line, trust your guys to make plays, you know, like, like what's the best play in the last six, seven years here in, in Minnesota? It's the Minneapolis miracle. It's Case Keenum literally just chucking the ball up and Stefan Diggs mm-hmm. making a great play out of it. Like just give guys a shot, um, especially when you have such talented players. Like it has to just be like, okay, well, here we go. I'm just going to throw it up to these, this guy like Justin Jefferson and because we're in a tight spot and I believe in him to make a play for me. It's not necessarily there, but I think he is better than – not only that corner, but that safety is coming over the top too. Um, I just think Justin Jefferson is better than them. And guess what? If you do that, now Justin Jefferson believes in you because he knows you believe in him. Um, so it, it really can kind of go both ways. And I think that plays like that also like permeate throughout an offense. It does add excitement. Um, it adds joy, as you mentioned. It adds smiles per game. Uh, 
it's a lot of those types of things. Like I, I think it all comes down to that rewiring though. Like it just, it comes down to your brain. Um, and are you willing to take a risk? And that's where it's probably on Kevin O'Connell. Hey, if Kirk Cousins throws a bad pick because he was being aggressive, um, it's gotta, he's gotta come over to the sideline. You gotta be like, Hey, we're okay with that. We're good with that. Um, because that's going to work out our way more times than not. No worries. It didn't this time. Um, let's go real quick to the defense. Uh, just a, a minute or two here. What looks like success on the defensive side? And I'll start here. I think it's just like top 16. And like yeah. I mentioned before in our defensive previews, I think it's just that you don't give up like game winning drives in the final two minutes. It's that you make those one or two plays that don't, it's that you are not costing the team games at the end um, in situations where you should not. Now, if you're going to do it to Aaron Rodgers and he's going to go 80 yards in three minutes, that might happen. Uh, but Cooper Rush can't go 90 yards on you like that. That stuff can't happen. And frankly, like you've got to close out far more games than you don't. Yeah, it's simple as that. Just be a top half of the league defense. Don't get blown out. Don't like give your offense a chance. And and yeah, step up big step up big in those moments. Uh, I think we've both talked about this defense has the potential to be, to sniff the top 10. I don't think you even need to do that to be considered a successful defense this year. I think you just need to not be in the way, which they were time and time again, the past couple of seasons. Low bar. We'll see if they can clear it. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, we'll get some of that in this next segment here. Like Dane and I have outlined what we think is success for this team. Now, do we think they can reach it? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. Jace Frederick, Dane Mizutani, Odyssey's Vikings podcast, talking purple, heading into the 2022 season, which starts on Sunday. We will have a reaction just hours after that game against Green Bay. So if you want to make sure that you're hearing it, it's in your phone, whether that be Sunday night, Monday morning on your drive to work, uh, follow, subscribe, whatever you need to do to make sure that this podcast is in your phone when it is time to listen and look back on what just happened in week one. Um we're looking forward to it, Dane. It's the start of a season that I think has a lot of different potential results. We've talked about that before. Like there are a lot of different turns this season could take, but let's get into it. Uh, where do you think this thing goes? Uh, there, what's the Vikings record? How does it all play out in your mind as we sit here just five days away from the start of the regular season? Chad Graff had him at eleven wins. Chad had him at ten wins. Ten wins. I I I, I think ten wins. I was going through the schedule this morning. 10 wins, I think, leaves wiggle room for the possibility of 11, but also the possibility of nine. But I think there's 10 wins in, in this schedule. And I looked at it, kind of broke it down. Like the six games before the bye, I had them at four and two. I won't bore everyone and go through game by game with this schedule, but I think they're four and two before the bye in week seven. I think, however, they go about doing that. Like, I personally think they're going to beat Green Bay this weekend at home in, in the season opener. I think if you don't, like you could convince yourself that they could beat Philly on the road in on Monday night, whatever four and two, I have them at coming out of the bye. And then I see six wins after that. Like, I, I, I think this is a 10 and seven football team. I think if you could steal a game, that's going to be tough. I think if you can steal the game at home against Dallas, as I think Dallas is going to be pretty good this year. Dallas also beat you with Cooper Rush last year at home. So I think if you can steal that game, you could maybe get to 11. I think that is the kind of magic game. Will they be at 10? Will they be at 11? But I see them 10 and 7. I think 10 and 7 gets you to the playoffs in the NFC. I think if you're a 10 and 7 football team, you're losing in the first round. That's where I see the Vikings at this year. I see them as a a fringe playoff team that gets in and loses in the first round. 
but I have them at 10 wins. Okay. I have a similar end result. I do have it at nine, um, nine wins. I still think that's a playoff team. If you just look at the NFC and the lack of depth in it, frankly, there are a fair amount of bad teams in the NFC. Um, nine and eight, I think gets you into the top seven. Maybe it's a tiebreaker situation. So you could be in that seven, eight spot, maybe on the outside looking in, maybe, maybe on the inside, just on the random tiebreakers of maybe you played that team. Maybe it's something NFC record, which just kind of stinks. Um, but I, I just think that I have a lot of question marks where like, that's why I find myself in the middle. That's where I find myself flooding around 500 with this team, because I'm not sure, like the idea that week one is going to come and they are going to have a new offense and Kevin O'Connell is going to have installed everything and the defense is going to be installed just the way they want it. Um, to me, against a Green Bay team that has a lot of continuity back, uh, like that's why I think those games might be tough. Um, I think like when you just look at general continuity and stability and who's more familiar with what they're doing on the field, it's probably going to be Green Bay, um, even with like a young wide receiver core. So like I think those games might be tough to win. They might take some lumps early. I do in general believe that this team will, towards the end of the season, be playing better football. Um, I think I think I I probably do believe that Kevin O'Connell is going to get this thing going on the right track, that by the end of the year, this offense is going to be in pretty good shape. And it all depends on health, right? Like it, if Adam Thielen goes down, if Darius Smith goes down, if Daniel Hunter go down, if all three of those guys miss a game, I don't like Minnesota's chances to win said game. Uh, but judging from the fact that maybe they have they lose one of those guys like. In general, I like this team. I feel like where it's going to go. I think if they make the playoffs at nine and eight, while I don't know if they would beat like the Rams, um, I think there would be a team you wouldn't want to face. Um, but that's the biggest thing. Like I said, like, is this team just playing better at the end of the year than it was at the start? Does it feel like they're getting better week to week? I think that will be the case, but I wouldn't be surprised if a slow start happens whatsoever. I think that could be almost likely. Um especially with a defensive group that was so bad a year ago and there's so much to overhaul and the offense, there's, there's just a new look to it. So it might take a little bit. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. And frankly, like I just can't get over the hump that nine eights kind of about what Kirk Cousins has done in his career. And I know that comes down to a lot of other pieces, but just what I've seen it so many times, I'm going to need to see it go the opposite way before I believe it. Let me ask you this. I'll take Is no there a world? <laughs> I'm just here. So I don't get fined. Um, is there a world that things just go completely sideways in Green Bay? Do you no. think that's possible? Or do you think when you have Aaron Rodgers, like you're just going to be above high 500, no matter who's around you? Like, do you think that thing could go so bad there that, that the Vikings have a chance to win the division? I think the Vikings, if they win this division, will have to have earned said division. Um, I think they'll have to win at least 11 games because I can't see Green Bay winning fewer than 10. Um, Aaron Rodgers, by all accounts, is very motivated this year. Um, Yes, the wide receiver core is like the question mark, but what else is? I mean, David Bakhtiari is supposed to be playing week one. And we'll talk about that bad that potential matchup with Darius Smith on Thursday. But like, I think a lot of things are coming up Green Bay. Uh, the defense is supposed to be very good. Uh, Matt LaFleur has had nothing but very good results in Green Bay. So I don't mm -hmm. see the path to like, aside from like Aaron Rodgers getting hurt, I don't really see the path to Green Bay being bad. So I think if Minnesota is going to win this division, and maybe we should touch on like percent chance Minnesota wins the division because we both just described it as wild card. So like maybe like percent chance you give them um, or that could come Thursday, whatever you want. But I think like it's going to take 11 or 12 to win the NFC North. Um, and I don't see it going any other way. Do you think differently? Do you think Green Bay could go pear shape for them? No. And, and that's why I bring this up because I think that's like, we live in Minnesota. You live in River Falls, Wisconsin, but you yeah, basically live in Minnesota. You're here enough. 
I think that's like the optimistic view this year of like, oh, well, Rogers lost at Devontae Adams. Like, I'm definitely not like underselling how big of a loss that is because right. Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the league to me. And I think people are saying, well, it was kind of a rocky offseason with the Packers and Rogers, and like, is this getting gonna, is this marriage gonna go bad? But the I reality think that's is. The op- this is exactly a, way less rocky off season than last off season, right? A hundred percent. And so like, I think maybe it's just like the people that I hang out with and here, like insulate myself with like, Oh, you know, green Bay could take a step back this year. And while I think they could like, the more I think about it, like why, why do we think that like just because Devonte Adams left, I think we've seen Aaron Rodgers reach the, the level of quarterback play, the hall of fame level of quarterback play where it really doesn't matter who's around him. Right. We used to see it with, with Peyton Manning when he made Austin Collie the best receiver in the league before Austin <laughs> Collie had a concussion. You saw it with, with obviously Tom Brady in, in, in new England. He never had good weapons. I think we're going to probably be looking at it. Like by the end of this year, like, wow, Alan Lazard's a really good receiver. Like, Maybe he's not. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is just really good at, at, at throwing guys open. All of that's to be said. Like, no, I don't think Green Bay is taking a step back. And I, I'd put the percent chance that, like, let's just do it now. Like, the Vikings win the division. Like, I think it's like 15%. Like, I think everything needs to go right for them. And some things need to go wrong for Green Bay because I don't think there's a world where everything goes wrong for Green Bay. So I don't think the Vikings can be banking on, like, oh, we're going to win 10 games and Green Bay is just going to fall off a cliff here. I think green Bay is going to be good. I think if the Vikings want to win the division, they're going to have to be better. So I, I 15% and I think that could even be lower. Honestly, like that's Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings have never beat him. I'll go 25 just because literally it's one, it's first one team. Like I don't see the other two teams like having any contention for it at all. So, so now we're talking about, Hey, maybe Aaron Rodgers misses five games, you know, stuff like that. Uh, 25%. And then frankly, like, yeah, I mean, my best case scenario for Minnesota, everybody's healthy. Everything shows up. So Darius Smith and Daniel Hunter are dominant forces. Like the offense is just humming from week one with all the weapons. Like that's like 12 wins to me, um, because even if the defense is good, it's going to be like 13th maybe. And they're still going to have to win some shootouts. So you're going to lose games still. I think just looking at the schedule, I think 12 is very generous and Green Bay could still win 13. Um, uh, so that's where I've got it at like 25 tops. Um, yeah, unlikely. But it doesn't mean that I don't like the Vikings this year. I just think Green Bay will also be very good. I think it's very possible, and I'm, I'm predicting it, and you're predicting it, that the North just sends two teams to the playoffs. Uh, yeah. And like I said, for me, it's all about how it happens. How does it play out for Minnesota? Um, and I think it's going to go the right way because I think Kevin O'Connell will get this ship heading in the right direction. Uh, that just might not equal like year one incredible success, and I don't think it has to either. Yeah, and, and like like fifteen percent to win the division does not like I'm still on record saying I think they're gonna win ten games. I think it's gonna be a pretty good season in Minnesota. I just think the optimistic view of like from a Minnesota Vikings fan perspective of well, the Green Bay Packers are gonna be worse this year. That's just hoping. You're just hoping they're gonna be worse this year because there's nothing really that says they're going to. They still have Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day. We're not gonna get too deep into like total NFL, like how good is every team going to be this year? But wait, let's just throw out Super Bowl predictions for the record. Um, look at it right now. Super Bowl Sunday. Who's playing? Who's winning this game? We Neither one of us think it's going to be Minnesota. We both put it on record. First round exits. Uh, but who do you got, Dane? I was actually doing this this exercise in my head yesterday for fun. because, But, um, okay. I have 
Patrick Mahomes beating Trey Lance in this in okay. in the Super Bowl. I have the Kansas City Chiefs beating the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. I think people are starting to write off Mahomes and just be like, "Oh, Mahomes is is you know, he's not is he the best quarterback in the league anymore?" I think we're forgetting how good he is because of how good he was for the first three or four seasons of his career. And I think Trey Lance can can really really unlock some things in in that San Francisco offense. I think the sky is the limit for them. Uh, that those are the two teams I see getting to the Super Bowl, and I see Patrick Mahomes beating this time Trey Lance after beating Jimmy Garoppolo the other. You know it's funny with Patrick Mahomes, like he was unstoppable in the playoffs last year, and then he throws that one overtime interception against Cincinnati, and then that's it. It's like you know what? He's maybe the third best quarterback in the NFL. Maybe it maybe doesn't make sense. Yeah, you know, does not Allen. make sense. No, it doesn't at all. Nope. I'm totally with you on that. Uh, he was absolutely phenomenal up until that point. A couple of rough spots during the year, but you kind of expect that. Um, I'm going to go with another team in the AFC West coming out. I'm going to say that the Las Vegas Raiders advanced to the Super Bowl. I wow. am on record as being a pretty big Derek Carr supporter. Um, I think just people around the league, like players, think Derek Carr is a really good quarterback. There's a reason for that. Uh, I, I think now that we have a Devonte Adams there, like I think we could really see Derek Carr take off and have an MVP type caliber season. And maybe I'm wrong, uh, but the hope I guess that people have for Kirk Cousins, I think there's more hope maybe even for somebody like Derek Carr and experiencing that type of boom. Um, and with Josh McDaniels there, with Devonte Adams there, it could all come up Derek Carr. Um, and I don't mind that roster at all. I think that this is a team that made the playoffs last year. Um, making an even deeper push. Derek Carr has kind of like that career ascension, but they do lose to, I think it's going to be the Rams again, because I just don't like the NFC that much. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think there's a lot of great teams there. I think when you have Sean McVay, you have Matt Stafford in the second year of this system. I don't see any reason why it takes a step back. Remember like they, in the Super Bowl, they had Cooper cup and nobody else at wide receiver. Um, now they get Allen Robinson, who I know was terrible last year, but it really looked like the dude has just been checked out. All the reports are positive there that he's had a really good camp and they really like him there. So if Allen Robinson's Allen Robinson and now you compare him with Cooper Cup, I think this offense could be equally explosive. I think the defense without Von Miller might not be quite as good, but might not have to be in this NFC because there's so many question marks in the conference. And then one game, Rams versus Raiders, I would take the Rams. Wow. I, I Hey, th- if that's the case, I'm calling I think my shot a lot on the Vegas people. Raiders. Yeah, you you really just second tour of duty on more successful. Double down, not even double down. You've tripled, quadrupled down on Derek Carr. Buy all the Derek Carr stock this year. This was a playoff uh, team a year ago. They had what Dane considered to be the best receiver in the NFL. They make what I think a lot of us consider to be a head coaching improvement. They made the playoffs in a year and where their head coach got fired in the middle of the season or resigned, whatever the case was. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And while while I said wow, kind of just reflexively there like who made the super bowl the afc last year joe burrow so you know like it's possible to go on a run the raiders do have a pretty solid defense too as far as you know max crosby and adding chandler jones to that front Uh, we won't get too deep into the nfl but yeah i think like it's possible I, I like my guy Patty more than than Derek Carr, though. Yeah, well, I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes is not a superior quarterback to Derek Carr. Real quick, and then we'll wrap this up. But when we talk about, like, make the playoffs, and this has always kind of been the hope that I think is maybe, I don't know, it, it's what, like, Vikings ownership holds on to, but I get it, is if you make the playoffs and you give yourself a shot, like, heading into the playoffs last year, who picked the Bengals to come out of the AFC? Almost yeah. no one. But you get into these dances, 
Uh, and frankly, the Bengals almost lost to the Raiders in the wildcard weekend. And then they almost lost to Tennessee almost. in the divisional round. And then they almost then lost they, to Kansas City. And then they almost won the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. it, it's such a tight thing. Like, the Rams won the Super Bowl. They almost lost to the Bucks in the divisional round. And then they almost lost to the 49ers in the conference title game. Like, it's mm-hmm. razor thin. So if you just get in there, you give yourself a chance. And that's the thing with the Vikings, too. Like, we see they've got, like, the playmakers – I think um, to where you do not want to face them in a one and done situation. And that's probably where like the Wilfs looked at it and said, I think we can do this. I don't, I think there's a potential here to be a Super Bowl team. We might disagree, but I understand the logic because we watch the playoffs play out every year. And it's like, I didn't see that coming or wow. Did you like what an upset? Because every team, once you get to that point is so close um, that it really can break your way. Now, some would say, Hey, the Rams actually had a better team. Um, and I would agree with that. They had, probably what what looked more like a Super Bowl roster. And so that's why those little things went their way. But I don't know. Uh, things can break the other way really easily. So I understand when a team says, I think we can be a playoff team, and then we'll get in there and we'll take our shot. Anything to add, Dane? No, you've 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 stunned me silent with, with your with your pristine logic. I no, I honestly like when you when you brought up the Raiders, I thought it was kind of crazy five minutes ago. You've talked me into it, and uh, you've you've also talked me into the, the idea that maybe the Vikings are in the right mindset that like this could be okay if if we just get there. I well, I think the Vikings can get there. I think you agree the Vikings can get there to the playoffs. While we both picked them to lose in the first round, like at the end of the day, like string a couple wins together, and all of a sudden you're in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, do I think it was the right decision? I'm not sure anymore because like your logic is so flawless and 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 i believe yeah you you you've got me all turned around jace you stunned me silent i'm not like i still think they made the wrong decision but i just wanted to point out the other side of the coin like i understand the logic of here's why it made sense to do this um and and it exists like there are two sides to every argument in this situation i get it um i'm still on the other side of the fence but I understand the the idea of wanting to approach the season this way and seeing how it plays out. We can't wait to see how it plays out. Um, this, like we've said, it can go a million different ways, um, and we are so close to seeing the very beginning of it. And even from week one, it can go it can go left or right, um, as we've seen with many teams many times. But anyway, Thursday preview episode for the Green Bay game. Uh, we are just days away now from the start of the regular season. Stick around with us. Subscribe. Follow this podcast. Make sure you're getting every episode of Inside Purple and Gold as we preview week one, and then we take you through the entire season. For Damian Zutani, I'm Jace Frederick. This has been Inside Purple and Gold. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 